The following is a For Vengeance Media production. we love is undergoing a shift. What a beauty! Borders are breaking down. Some might say disappearing. Huge goal. And the freedom to choose is gaining momentum. JPHL Through it all, players are better than ever at all levels. Oh. From youth hockey to the best junior leagues and the highest level, the game is reaching new heights. Oh. Presented by Four Vengeance Media, this is Game Changers, the home of hockey, on Silent Ice TV. Welcome to another episode of Game Changers, and man, it is the best time of the year. For me, anyway. I'm also a big baseball fan. The Dodgers heading into the playoffs. The NFL is here, and of course, it is October. That's also good for scary movies. It's scary movie month, but you could smell hockey in the air. I, I remember distinctly you know, delivering papers and being like, oh yeah, it is hockey season. Tryouts right around the corner. Well, we're well into tryouts. Only the NHL has yet to drop the puck for its regular season, and that's a short time away. Uh, the final few preseason games are taking place, and this is when that trickle-down effect really starts to happen. So the NHL team, they send a player down to the AHL. The AHL then bumps a player back to junior hockey or maybe the ECHL, but even still, even the NHL team maybe sends the player right back to junior hockey. So now a CHL team has to make a decision on a player and a guy gets uh, sent or moved to a junior A program. Or maybe an NHL team sends a player straight back to the BCHL, uh, seeing as uh, there's no uh, affiliation with Hockey Canada to go between the Western Hockey League. So then the junior A team or the BCHL team, they have to take a player and move them back to the AAA level. That in turn causes the trickle-down effect and it is the cycle of hockey in the fall. Good players coming back from hockey teams and making that team better and giving another team another good option. Uh, it, it happens every single year. And uh, it is the uh, cycle of life in the sport of hockey. On today's show, really excited about this guest list. Uh, some just superstar interviews, some really good content uh, that I think you will be entertained and informed by. Uh, we're starting out Jason Strudwick in our Pond to the Pros segment. He will join us in our final segment of the show today. And uh, if you've been around Struddy, you know exactly how 
funny he is, how genuine he is. Uh, and he's getting back into the coaching game. He is coaching uh, his kids and uh, shaping future players. But he also has uh, terrific insight on what's happening with the Edmonton Oilers and much more. And he has uh, his own show uh, with Ryan Rashog and Rob Brown, the Got Your Back podcast. Craig Button is the director of scouting for TSN. He's also my wingman on tracking the draft which we are bringing back this year really excited to get back in the fold with craig about that show we're going to discuss not only the draft last year and the Connor bedard situation uh, moving forward and is he a generational player i think that answer is quite easy but also this year's draft and the pathway for hockey players the different leagues that are out there and the different things that are happening to players that end up in those leagues aka non-inclusivity and tyler woke is the commissioner of the hockey super league he's also the uh, color analyst for the spruce grove saints broadcast looking forward to joining that one on friday night uh, with brandon ewan cheshen and uh, we're going to discuss what the hockey super league is all about if you are unfamiliar with it and as well uh, what is happening right now within the hockey world as far as independent leagues growing and much more so let's start things off with nhl a former nhl gm craig button 1999 stanley cup champion who is now the director of scouting for tsn as well as my wingman on tracking the draft this is our junior life segment Craig, it is uh, so great to see you. Uh, I can't wait to see you in person in the rinks again this winter, but uh, I trust you had a, a wonderful summer and looking forward to another uh, great season of hockey. Yeah, well, it's great to see you too, Dean, and uh, summer was great. And So I guess my big question, I'm going to start off with the question. I mean, your brother was part of the, is part of the Vegas Golden Knights organization. Yeah. They win the Stanley Cup. Did you get anywhere near the Stanley Cup this summer? I unfortunately did not. I was back in June uh, for my dad's birthday. Um, my brother selfishly went back for the Stanley Cup day. Like, uh, we'll talk about <laughs> being the bad son. But no, yeah, my, my brother was back uh, for, for Zach Whitecloud's celebration uh, at the Sioux Valley uh, Reserve, and that was so fun. And my dad uh, had a chance to uh, drink out of the Stanley Cup and get his pitcher and, and uh, visit with Kelly. So I unfortunately was back uh, a little bit too early for that but what a celebration for manitoba in general with all the uh the the manitoba mafia connections i call it on vegas well i mean let's start with kelly i mean obviously kelly you know the general manager you you just mentioned zach white cloud obviously the captain mark stone then you have brett howden and your brother darren and you have bobby lowe's and you know the the, the extension of the number of people from Manitoba that are involved with the Vegas Gold Knights, I mean, I'm pretty sure they could have just left the cup there for a month and everybody could have celebrated, you know, in Manitoba. Pretty special, that cup. It's a, it certainly is uh, uh, what I call it. It's a magnet. Uh, people come and see it and they just can't believe uh, how wonderful it is to really be able to get up close and personal with the Stanley Cup because there's no other trophy like it. There's no other, and there's no other, there's no other sport that puts a demand on its players like the Stanley Cup playoffs. So, you know, you put those two things together, you know, those players that get their name and coaches and managers and everybody that's associated with an organization, 
it's special to win the Stanley Cup. We've had this discussion before as we move into uh, players in the draft about generational players. And, you know, McDavid, the last generational player to play in the NHL as far as the draft. Will we see a generational player take the ice in the regular season this year, talking about Connor Bedard? Do you put him in that category? Because I know we've talked in the past, Austin Matthews, not in that category. There are superstar players, Hall of Famers, that are not in that category. Not everybody is a generational player is Bedard. Yes, and I, I put the stake in the ground, and I, I remember the day. It was January 5th, 2023, uh, on the day of the gold medal game at the World Junior Tournament. And, you know, you got to be really careful. I mean, I mean, he's a superstar. But I, I got to the point where I was really comfortable in saying he is a generational player. And, and I even said this a number of times, Dean, and people said, but I said, the last player, the last player to do what Connor Bedard did at his age uh, and remember, 17 years of age. At that age was Wayne Gretzky in 1977-78. Top player in his league. Dominate the World Junior Tournament. I know there's been players at 20 years of age that have been great at the World Junior, 19 years of age. But the last player to do what Connor Bedard did, he, he was the best player and it wasn't close. And Gretzky was the last player to do that. So when you start to put it... And, and, and that type of a comparison and that type of context, that's why when I said he's a generational player and, you know, a, a, a goal a game, two points a game in the Western Hockey League, and you consider what he's done early on in the preseason with the Chicago Blackhawks, you know, the excitement that he's generated off the ice with season ticket sales. Yeah, he's a generational player. And every generational player is different too. Bobby Orr is different than uh, Gila Fleur, who's different than uh, uh, Wayne Gretzky, who's different than Mary Lemieux, who's different than Eric Lindros, who's different than Sidney Crosby, you know, who's different than Connor McDavid. They're like, they're, it's not a cookie cutter mold. They're all different. They all impact the game in, in, in a way that we, that we haven't been able to see or haven't been able to see in a long time. And that's why. We call them generational, and absolutely, I see uh, Connor as a generational player. And, you know, that goes to my next question about so many other good players that are going to be in the NHL this year, potentially, uh, or just from that draft class that, you know, maybe get overshadowed because of that generational player. When you have a generational player, I mean... All the ink mostly goes to that, but there are some superstars behind Bedard that have a real chance uh, to bring excitement to people this year. Who else are you excited about in the rookie class this year? Well, I mean, there's going to be, I, I mean, you have to be excited about Logan Cooley. I mean, he was the third overall pick in the 2022 draft. And you go back and I, I believe that players, you know, really have to master the level they're at before trying to go to the next level. Logan was a great player in the, in the NCAA with the Minnesota Golden Gophers. He was outstanding at the World Junior Tournament. And he, 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 was, he wasn't quite sure if he wanted to go or not. And then he said, wait a second, I want to go. And early indications are that Logan is ready for the NHL. And I, when, you, when you build your, your game off of confidence, I think it really helps you prepare to, 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 to move to that next level. And when you move to that next level, I said it, and, and I will forever say it. If you're not ready for it, the NHL will chew you up and spit you out like absolutely nothing. So when I look at the at two players, and really those are the two players that I look at clearly 
as as being players that can really do Matthew Nyes, another Minnesota Golden Gopher, Brock Faber, Matthew with Toronto, Brock Faber with the uh, uh, Minnesota Wild who came over uh, in a trade uh, last year for Kevin Fiala. You know, you, you, you think about those, but they don't have the same level of productivity. I think they're going to be good, strong players, but I don't think they have the same level of productivity that you're looking at from players like Logan Cooley and Connor Bedard. And I, I think that's, I, I think that becomes a separator with respect to who the top guys are. You know, honestly, I, I know training camp is, is early on and you, you look at, Oh boy, what about this player, this player playing? Well, it's training camp. And I, I don't see any other player from the 2023 draft that's going to have an impact on his NHL team. Maybe somebody else, maybe a team will keep them. Maybe they will, you know, but I don't see any player being able to have an impact. I, I simply don't. Slavkowski was the first overall pick in 2022. His impact was minimal. And like, you know, and it doesn't mean he's not going to be a good player. It, it, it was minimal. And I just don't see, uh, you know, those players. I don't see those players from the 2023 draft going there. Kevin Korchinski, who's also in Chicago, kind of hanging around. We'll see. I mean, he's been part of a really good team in Seattle. We'll see if he can come into the league. And, and But from the 2023 draft, I, I, I don't see it. I, I, I really don't. And, you know, those the USA National Team Development Program players, they're all going to Boston College. They're, they're not ready there. They're good players. They're going to be a big part of Team USA at the World Junior Tournament. But, you know, I just don't see it. Mishkov, we know, is playing over in Sochi. Reinbacher, who there's a little bit of talk about. They're just – they're not ready. They're not ready to – they're, they're, for, they're not ready to survive at the NHL level, mm. let alone thrive. <laughs> yeah, and surviving is not something you want to try to put a, no. a young player through, especially uh, a rookie. Now, before we get to this year's draft, the 2024 draft, let's just quickly explain the Craigslist that you have at TSN that uh, will be coming out. And for people that don't know, uh, they might assume, oh, Craig has this player at number seven, so automatically that player is the seventh best player. That's not exactly how the Craigslist works. No, it isn't. The, the Craigslist works with respect to – I'm trying to project who I think could be the best players in four to five years' time because that's, you know, that's really what the time frame is for them to really establish themselves. And even now I hear about players, oh, boy, they get sent down. They're not ready. 21-year-old kids. Like, you know what, they're, we're talking about players that are still maturing. So you got to be patient with the process. The other thing is I'd love to be able to tell you that the seventh guy is clearly better than the eighth guy. I can't tell you that. I try to group them in, 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 into areas. Obviously, you got to put a seven beside one player's name and an eight and a nine and, and order them, some, you, you know, in, in sequence. But, you know, you, you and me, Dean, could talk about you might look at the player that's 13th on my list and go, geez, I really like him at seven. And I could say, yeah, geez, I, I don't I, I can't put up a big argument. You know, try to get them in the right grouping. There's different types of players whether it be a forward and a defenseman, different types of defensemen, different types of forwards. So it's just a, an exercise in trying to trying to project, you know, where these players can be in four to five years' time and how they can impact the team that drafts them in four to five years' time. Last year, Bedard, obviously wire to wire. Is it more wide open this year, do you think, as far as that top pick? Yeah, I think it is, but but I don't think there's a, a, a big group there. In fact, I, I have it down to a duo, uh, Macklin Celebrini, who's going to be playing at Boston University this year, and Cole Iserman, who plays with the National Team Development Program. They were both uh, 
they both played at Shattuck St. Mary's. They were teammates. They were roommates. They're best friends. And it, it's really interesting. Not only do you have this jockeying for first overall, but then you have these two players that are magnificently talented, but they're different. Macklin Celebrini reminds me a lot in terms of his style of play of Jonathan Taze. And Cole Eiserman, he, he, he's got a goal-scoring uh, focus, much like Alexander Ovechkin. They, they don't want to put the puck in the net. They want to put the puck through the net. And their first thought is shot. Their second thought is shot. And Cole has a very great – he's got 10 goals in six games to start the season. He's only 48 goals away from breaking Cole Caulfield's all-time record at the National Team Development Program, and I'm betting on him to do it. Cole Caulfield shattered the record. I think Cole Eisenman will break. And what I'm really starting to believe is if your name's not Cole, you're not going to be able to put goals up on the board. (laughs) (laughs) What a terrific story of these guys being such good friends. I mean, so often I I go back to the the Taylor-Tyler draft and do you know this person? No, not really. I don't know them. Well, this is like, yeah, this is a great friend of mine. And, oh, man, that's going to be such a a fun story to have. And, you know, good personalities, uh, good competitors. It should be so much fun. How about overseas? Um, Some of the players that we may or may not see at the uh, World Junior, but who are some of the contenders as far as European players this year that you like? Well, you're, you're not going to see Ivan Demidoff. I mean, he's a Russian player who, who who's a terrific, terrific player. And I mean, he, he, he in my view, every bit as good as Matthew Mitchkoff. Well, we know what, what Mitchkoff uh, uh, has done in, in, in terms of his career. And even now, you know, playing over in Sochi, he's done really well over there after being the seventh overall pick. And Demidoff has a skill set it reminds me a lot of Kucherov, but it, it, it's Finland did not have a first round pick last year, which which, which was interesting. But they're going to have a number of first round picks this year. Costa Hellenius, a, a Braden Point type player. I, I'm giving I'm giving some comparisons just to give some people some idea of what type of what type of players uh, these guys. You know, Artyom uh, Levshunov. He played in Green Bay in the USHL this year. He's from Belarus, not at the World Junior. For, uh, for the reasons that we know that the Russians aren't there. But he's going to play at Michigan State. So real opportunity for everybody to see him over. You know, there's a, you, you know, you start to think about the, the, there's a there's a Danish player uh, that's that's a really terrific young player that, you, you know, he's playing at Mora uh, in the, uh, uh, in the, in the Allsvenskan and somebody that really, really, has like he's he, he's just a well-rounded player i don't know if he's going to be uh a, a player that's going to be one of those uh high-end offensive players michael michael branson nagard is his name but i mean you're no norway he's not from denmark but he'll be at the world junior all eyes will be on him emil hemming a finished player big lanky player really really gifted you have I mean, another Russian, Anton Siliev, six foot six, can skate, put up points. So, I mean, those are just a few of, of, of the European players. You know, Adam Yerichek, younger brother of David Yerichek. You look at the draft, we know that the NHL and hockey is an international game. This year's draft is exactly – I mean, think about it. My top ten. So I have a Canadian in Macklin Celebrini, Berkeley Catton, who is the captain of the Holinka Gretzky uh, Canadian winning gold medal team plays in Spokane. He's there. Then you start. Then you go to Cole Eiserman, an American. Then you, then you got Demidoff and Siliev, 
Russians. You got Levshunov, uh, a Belarusian. You have uh, Yurichek, who's a Czech. You have Finnish players, Hemming and Helenius. You know, you start to go through the list. If that doesn't scream international mm-hmm. hockey, I don't know what does, and I, I don't think that's going to change. Yeah, and it, show, it just shows you that the game, uh, you know, well, we've known the game has been an international game for a while, and more countries, you mentioned Norway and, you know, Danish, and, you know, what Leon Dreisaitl is inspiring in Germany. It just means that those countries are going to have more choices. And we've talked about hockey pathways a lot. And I I think the great story you have about the Kachucks, about, you know, Matthew goes to London because it was right for him. Brady goes and plays NCAA because it was right for him. And there's no right path for, there's no only one path, and that's the only way you should go. So interested to uh, get your thoughts on some of the independent leagues. The BCHL has gone independent. Uh, The JPHL, which I do the play-by-play for. The HSL. Uh, the, the pathways that players that have out there are very different than they used to be. What are your thoughts on the avenues the players have today? Well, I, I think it's great that players have different avenues. And, and, and you just touched on it, Dean. Not every avenue is going to be right for, for every single player. And, and all I impress upon young players and their parents is, is just investigate what each path offers to you. Just understand, hey, if I take this path, what does it mean? If I take this path, what does it And then make your de- uh, decision based on and, and having as much information as you possibly can. And, you know, Bradley Nadeau was drafted in the first round by Carolina from the BCHL. You know, we know that the BCHL is not sanctioned with the Hockey Canada anymore. So that limits different opportunities, but it didn't limit his skill. He's a good player. He's a talented player. He ends up being drafted in the first round. You know, I'm looking and I'm, I was just at the fall classic at the USHL uh, league in, in Pittsburgh. And, 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 you know, Sasha Beauvais is from Quebec. He's playing in Muskegon. Michael Haig is from Toronto playing in Chicago. And, you know, these are players that want to go to university, want to take in the NCAA lifestyle. And so they're looking at the USHL, which is a really good league and understanding this is a good place for me to be. You know, Dylan Holloway played in the Alberta Junior Hockey League and was a first-round draft pick out of Wisconsin, but really established himself there. And, you know, Kale McCarr, do I have to talk about Kale McCarr coming out of Brooks, right? You know, so depending on where you are in terms of physical maturity, depending on what path you want to take, if I say this and, and, and I put my name to it and I'll never stop, if anybody tells you that this is the right path or the only path, run for the hills because the right path is the one that you're ready to embrace and enjoy and take full advantage of because you think that's the one that fits best for where you're at in your game and where you want to go. Nothing more. And, you know, I get asked all the time, well, I'm evaluating players on the skills that I identify that I think translate to the NHL. And those skills are on display, whether you're playing in, 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 in a league in Europe, whether you're playing in a league in the United States, a league in Canada, whether it be junior A, whether it be tier two, whether it be major junior, whether it be high school, I see it all. I see all different. It's, I, I, I don't, I'm not worried about the level they're playing at. I'm evaluating their skill levels that I need to evaluate how they translate to the NHL. 
And, and for me, choice is good, whether it's, you know, the minor hockey yeah. system, whether it's independent, private, as long as that choice is being run responsibly, then choice is good for families, for players, for coaches, for officials, for everybody to be able to have choices and not just say we can only do one thing, I think is is a good thing. Again, as long as everything is being run responsibly. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like, I mean, I, I, I can tell you the, the, the coaching leagues that I've mentioned or coaching and where, where players are coming, they expect good coaching. They've had good coaching by the time they get up to the ages of 15, 16, 17. So if you can provide good coaching and a good development path for young players, you know what? They're going to feel confident about going there. So this brings me to this question. Hockey Canada has announced that players who play in independent leagues like the BCHL or the JPHL will be suspended for the year. Do you agree with this action? You know, it's a, there's a lot of layers to this, Dean. And, you, you know, part of it is, is you know, the leagues, and I, I know this more about the BCHL, you know, they're, they're a junior league that, you know, you got, you got franchise owners that are trying to run their league and with respect to business and how do they get tied in and what's the connection with Hockey Canada. Obviously, with, uh, with uh, what came out with Hockey Canada in May of 2022 and how it's impacted Hockey Canada, I mean, leagues have to make decisions based on is this something that we want to be associated with. Major sponsors turn their back and said, we don't want to be associated with Hockey Canada. Now, you know, I know that BC had had, had, had taken decisions to, to do that. But, you know, if you're running a league and you want to run your business, you want to also understand, okay, how do we do that? And how much do we want to be tied into Hockey Canada? From the Hockey Canada standpoint, you know, insurance and, and trying to provide insurance for the players that fall under the umbrella of Hockey Canada, you know, that's significant and, and, and it's significant from a business point of view for, from the players, how, how, how you, you know, make sure that you can keep, I shouldn't say keep might be the wrong word, but monitor where the leagues are at in terms of development with their players and everything that goes with it. But, you know, when you, when you have the situation that, uh, that Hockey Canada was confronted with, you know, it becomes a little bit harder for leagues to say, okay, they're, they're like I'm full in on, on that. There's a lot of things that have to change with Hockey Canada. They're in the process of trying to change them. Sheldon Kennedy at the Over the Board Summit said, you know, the, the work is being done. And, you know, they're past A, but far from Z. So I think you have to respect that that, that leagues want to say, hey, we're a business, we want to do it. You know, I think one of the things Hockey Canada wants to make sure that they don't have players running all over the country, you know, playing in different leagues. But, you know, you're going to have difference of opinion. That's okay. What I do, what I, what, what I do worry about is the experiences that, that, that players can, that, can get that won't get it by playing in an international competition for Hockey Canada. And whether that be the World Junior A Challenge, whether it be the U18, whether it be uh, Helenka Gretzky or the World Junior, you know, I, I, I like, you know, I, you don't want to have young players, uh, you know, not have the opportunity to go through those things. So, you know, from that point of view, you know, I wish it was a little bit different, but Hockey Canada feels that what they have to do is, is in the best interest of, 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 of everything across the country and you know the BCHL and others are not agreeing with that and that's okay you know we can find a way to to disagree and we can find a way to try to work towards a solution 
that make sure that kids get the opportunity, that there's a confidence in the, in, in, in the governing bodies uh, to, 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 to have uh, an environment and a climate that's really positive for everybody involved. Yeah, because ultimately it comes down to, you know, I talked to Jason Strudwick earlier, is about making sure that kids are playing hockey for the right reasons, having fun, and let's worry about the rest of the stuff and, and figure that out. But the first and foremost is that boys and girls are on the ice for the right reasons, having fun. Uh, now, uh, finally, I want to ask you about the BCHL, and, and I've heard great things, and are you interested as me to see what this new-look BCHL, and maybe you've already seen it, but uh, you know, I've been out to Vancouver a couple of times, haven't been able to check in a game, but I can't wait to go and see if it is that much different with these changes. Well, the changes are about the players that commit, and, and obviously they've committed now to the BCHL, they're not eligible to play in any other Hockey Canada sanctioned league uh, I think I believe it's till June 30th of next year. So, you know, it takes them out of that. The BCHL has been a top league. It's been a very good league for, for years, for decades, okay? It, it doesn't change now. You know, I think the BCHL is going to have to look at, at, at ensuring that the players that they recruit there get opportunities to grow. You know, we've seen over years that players can move around. I think of somebody that I was close to, started and didn't work out for him. He was able to come over to Canmore. That's not a situation that can exist anymore. So I think it's incumbent upon the BCHL to, to, to work with their players and to understand that, you know, if, if, if there's a situation that isn't ideal, that you're going to have to work on a solution within your own league because the players can't go outside that league and play anymore. But the BCHL has been an excellent league. It's, it's well run, really good coaching, really good, uh, you, you know, in terms of organization and everything. So I don't think that's going to slip in any way, shape, or form. There's lots of players that are committed to college in the in the NCAA that come up to the BCHL to get some seasoning and before they go into the NCAA. So th- th- this is not a, th- this has been a top-notch league, arguably, and I'll say this, arguably the best junior A league in Canada for decades. And just because now they, they they've broken away, they've fallen away, or they moved out from underneath the Hockey Canada umbrella, it, it doesn't diminish the quality that they have in the BCHL, and that quality is high. Yeah, it's uh, it is uh, one of the best uh, uh, feeder leagues to the NCAA as far as scholarships, and you mentioned yes. drafted players. Always a pleasure chatting with you, Craig. I love the passion and the honesty, and I really hope uh, that we can get tracking the draft back up and running because uh, I love learning about the draft class from you, uh, and I can't wait to see you in the rinks again uh, this year. So once again, the season is upon us, and it was wonderful that you could join me on the show today, Craig. Always, always wonderful for me to join you, Dean, and I look forward to our next time and sooner rather than later. My thanks to Craig Button, and he will be all over the place uh, on your screen with TSN this year. The AJHL wrapped up its showcase last weekend and is back to normal for its schedule. The Saints are in Lloydminster tonight, which is Wednesday, and home to Camrose in Calgary on Friday and Saturday at the Grant Fear Arena. I'll join the broadcast this weekend alongside Brandon Ewan Cheshire and Tyler Woke, our next guest. And uh, it should be an entertaining weekend of hockey at the Grant Fuhr. Meanwhile, out in Seattle, the Thunderbirds are in Spokane on Friday. The third week, they have played just one game. It is such a bizarre schedule. Uh, They took on Portland last weekend and dropped their home opener. 
All right, let's dive into our future file segment with HSL Commissioner Tyler Wolk. Tyler, it is great to chat with you. I, I know the uh, the season, you can just smell hockey being in the air and the HSL has already kicked things off. I guess maybe for those who aren't familiar, uh, give a, a little bit of an overview about the Hockey Super League. Yeah, so, uh, well, first off, thanks for having me, Dean. Uh, it's great to uh, great to have an opportunity to catch up with you and and be a part of the the new podcast, the new property for uh, for Four Vengeance. And uh, yeah, so just a quick overview of the of the Hockey Super League, or an independent youth uh, youth hockey league that uh, we're heading into our this is our seventh season uh, of of operating uh, in in Western Canada. I guess you could say over the past years we've added teams from Saskatchewan, uh, BC. We don't have a BC presence this year, but over the past years we have had uh, a heavy influence from BC as well. And uh, you know, just a Basically, spring hockey uh, being able to be played around. Uh, the families have the opportunities to, uh, you know, to kind of pick and choose where they play, who they play for, and and everything like that. And it's been uh, it's been a wild ride, and and it's been very exciting. And and you know, this year has been uh, off to a great start. And uh, you know, we're really excited with where this is going, and and how things are are progressing as we uh, as we move forward and continue to push the push the envelope. Yeah, and it's it's amazing. We we look at this the video and the the skill set of the kids today. Do you ever wonder like I don't remember the kids I was playing against being this good as the kids, you know, I'm doing the play-by-play for. Like these kids are so good at such a young age. They're fearless when it comes to trying different things and and it's quite amazing. It's it's incredible Dean to see the the level of of play uh, the competitiveness, and it's it's very it's very interesting because for sure when I was uh, you know when I was these kids' age you know many moons ago, you know if you could you know toe drag a, a puck you were you were you were skilled you were very skilled. Now some of the stuff these guys are trying, and I think that there's so many different aspects as to why they you know they have the the awareness the the ability. And, and just creativity, and I think a lot of it does come from you know what they're able to be subjected to, the amount of time that they're able to spend on watching different skill videos, watching breakdowns of of certain skills. And, you know, there's so many things that come to my mind. You know, the linear crossovers by McDavid or or McKinnon. You know, the the soft catch and release by a guy like Matthews. The you know the, the toe drag release, which has been made famous by Connor Bedard the last few years at the world juniors and through his junior career and you know there's just so many different aspects and uh you know i know that there's sometimes where maybe in games you know a lot of players do become a little bit robotic but when you see the level of skill it's 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 incredible and you know when when we were younger your your skill development a lot of the time happened on an outdoor rink when you were just trying to have some fun with your buddies and and you know win some bragging rights on a backyard rink and and those sorts of things but now you know, a lot of these kids spend a lot of time on the ice and they get high level development coaching. And that's one of the biggest aspects that has made, you know, the Hockey Super League as successful as it has been is the the coaching staffs, the the development staffs, the the attention to detail, the power skating, the the, the shooting, the you know, pep, the different stick handling. And just overall it's it's incredible to see. And I know one of the one of the things that really kind of, you know, 
I guess kind of added to the magnitude of that was, was being around the brick tournament a little bit this last summer. And it just felt like a completely different level of hockey than had ever been played at, at, the, at that event. And I mean, that event is incredible from, from the get go. And I was fortunate enough to spend a few years around it being, you know, kind of inadvertent, not inadvertently, but in, indirectly a part of, of, of the staff. And it just, it felt so different. And to see what these kids are able to do and the skill level and, you know, how well trained they are and, and knowing where players are and the vision. And you just tell a lot of these kids uh, and, you know, and, and at the end of the day, the guys that are going to be the most successful are going to be the guys that are the most driven, not just the most skilled. You know, when you look at players like uh, Bedard or McDavid, McCarr, all those, you know, the top level players, Crosby, their, their attention to detail and the amount of time that they spend in the game in and working on their game and adding to their toolbox is, is incredible. And, and yeah, the young athletes that we have that the opportunity to see on a, on a week to week basis is it's incredible. Yeah, it, it totally is. And I had that discussion with uh, Jason Strudwick about, uh, you know, that, that skill, that the amount of work that those players that you just mentioned in the top level in the NHL that are doing away from that nobody sees is incredible. And, you know, Craig McTavish was out in Vancouver this past weekend. He joined me on one of the broadcasts and we were talking about the skill level of these kids. And sometimes as they get older, that gets coached out of them and the, the creativity. And he's said it came from his lips he loves the coaching style in the jphl which is an extension of the the hsl in a way because that coaching or that that robotics isn't instituted the skill is allowed to thrive which i think is a great thing between the hsl and the jphl that's seamless between those two is that we don't want to yank the skill out of these guys and turn them into off the glass and out players we want to encourage that while still adding structure to the game yeah, and that's exactly. And, and when you, it is interesting to see or talk to players who, you know, grew up in, in you know, specific eras and, and what tries to get coached out of them or what coaches try to coach out of them and to simplify their game. And, you know, when you look at, at different players, you know, for example, like one thing that comes to my mind is, uh, is a guy, Eric Carlson. Uh, you know, if he was a, a say a North American defenseman, does he have the same career that he's had because he gets restricted on the creativity and, you know, and I know we talk about this quite a bit in our office and through the times of the, the amount of time that I've spent on the ice with, with Steven Gertzen on a, on a skill development basis is you're all, it's always that risk reward and you want to be able to allow the athlete to make mistakes you know you can live with them if they've got the high skill level the the high compete and those sorts of things but I, I do think that sometimes especially in North America it's you know if you're a defenseman your number one your number one rule is play defense stay back you know um you know and then kids get into that habit of you know going back for a puck and it's just a hard rim rather than you know going through their options like a quarterback and trying to scan the ice and, and make those different plays and and I think that you know, overall, like you said, with the, with the, with the, um, the level of the coaching staffs in in the JPHL, as well as the HSL and the number of former pro players that are, are involved, you know, those guys, the, the experience that they have and what they're able to bring to their athletes on a, on a knowledge level, it's incredible. And, and so many of those kids that are, that have the access to those types of coaches, 
you know, that, that sticks with you for a long time and you're able to learn so much from the way that you get taught and the way you get coached. And, you know, some guys have more time for other types of players uh, or more respect and, and that sort of thing. And it, yeah, it's just very, it's very interesting and it's really cool to see the, the caliber of coaches that are out there. And I think one of the coolest things about the whole independent hockey stream that, that has been, you know, somewhat created from scratch, you know, with the HSL and now the JPHL and, the, you know, the HPL in Vancouver and, and those types of different programs is you have so much more camaraderie between coaches. Um, and I really think that that's one thing that we really try to instill in our, in our coaching staffs is, and from, from top to bottom is creating and harvesting and harboring those relationships and, and taking best practices from different programs and, uh, you know, no different than, you know, with your time and in, in being in, you know, sports media and that sort of thing of being able to talk to guys about what their best practices are and, and trying to kind of get rid of that tunnel vision where I'm just focused on me. I'm not giving you my trade secrets and sure, you're not going to give, you know, a hundred percent of what you're teaching, but I, I think just opening those doors and that mutual respect is, is so important. And, and that's, what's going to, you know, continue to grow our game, um, you know, not only just in what we're doing, but overall, and, and is those types of, of different um, relationship building. And, you know, one of the cool things that we've added on the, the hockey super league side of things, and we've got a few of the JPHL coaches as well is the relationship that we have with the coaches site. Um, I know some people are probably pretty familiar with it, but the amount of access and resources that you have at fingertips on anything from, you know, sports nutrition to sports psych to, you know, uh, I think Ray Ferraro has a really good, um, a really good presentation on there mm. about raising an elite athlete. And that doesn't just mean an elite hockey player. It doesn't just mean an elite athlete. You know, those, the, the, a lot of elite athletes are elite people as well in terms of their mindset and where they're, they're able to stay or how they're able to stay focused and, and dialed in on nutrition, commitment, discipline, all those different aspects. So, you know, that's something that's really exciting for us on the on the HSL and, and the independent side of things is a relationship like we've harvested with the with the coaches site and, and the access that they've been given or that they've given to us in, in you know in what our relationship is with them and being able to kind of have a platform where coaches can share different drills. You know, you got something that you worked on in practice that you think is a benefit to players across the board. You're able to share those things and really creating that community or that sort of tribe that it is where I think the most human growth really comes from. And that's coaching that you can bring down to the players. And at the end of the day, the better the players are, the better the coaches are, the better the players are, the better the product is, and the more competitive it is. And we want to create as, as competitive of an environment as possible for these young athletes. Yeah, I think we've all seen growing up uh, the coaches that are there to get them to the next level and the coaches that are there to get the players uh, to the next level. And, and I thought it was terrific. Last year during the Winter Championship at the JPHL, I asked Sean Bell a question about, wow, this is a real statement game. And they've beaten the Titans. And he said, you know what? Uh, it's not as much of a statement game. Although, you know, I know Bellsy liked beating Spitz and stuff, but it was, hey, this we're in this, we're all in this together, right? Like it's this is where rising tide, you know, lifts all boats, sort of sort of thing. And I thought, 
wow, that really is a different answer than I was expecting because you just beat your biggest rival. But the cooperation is there between coaches, between players, and 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 I think it's it's amazing. And the choices that players have now, uh, you know, we we were able to broadcast the number of games that that we're seeing here. So the choices, uh, the ability to go back and watch these games, it's a much different world than when we were playing and our parents were shooting with the old VHS. Yeah, oh yeah, big time. Yeah, just sucking the battery life for the power <laughs> out of the out of the arena. You know, I always wondered why the lights were flickering, but uh, you know, there was yeah. When you look at the access that these players have, and know from you know even just the time that we've we've had the the Spruce Grove Saints as a part of the Silent Ice family, and and learning all the different video uh, platforms that are out there you know, with, uh, you know, the analytics, the ability to just go back and watch your shifts. And, you know, we have a partnership with, with TPE right now that, you know, goes back, gets all the analytics and the kid can go watch just their shifts for, you know, say 25 minutes after a game and see exactly what they're doing. And that's where the game has gone is all of these young kids and, and young athletes are so visually just very intrigued with what they look like. And, I know even going back to a lot of the time that I spent doing skill development is the, the biggest strides that you were able to see from the athletes was when you were able to show them exactly what they're doing, because you're always going to think that you're doing things properly and, and that sort of thing. And then when you actually see yourself on a screen and, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, where your angles are pushing to on your forward stride or whatever it may be, when you can show that it, it makes big, big, big inroads in, in your overall development and, you know, when you look at the the way that, you know, you guys have been able to to bring uh, all these games from an arena into people's homes and, and seeing the quality of it. And, you know, as we see some of the replays of the of the 10 AAA championship game last year at the Meadows, one of the most entertaining, exciting oh, wow. games that I've seen in the HSL in a long, in, in quite some time. There's been some really, really good games, but yeah, the ability to 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 portray that and, and to show that in a way that is, is in such a professional manner, it, it you know, you, it attracts people to watching it. It, it. it gets that exposure and, you know, and it's always cool to go back and be able to, you know, watch your own highlights with, the, you know, with an announcer that actually knows your name and that sort of thing. Like I remember going back to being a kid and, I mean, you were happy to have a guy on the PA and all I would hear is how many penalty minutes I had all game. Not like I was getting that many points, but you know, it's just, it's a, it's a cool new world and um, you know, to, to have the resources available and to be able to do that, it's, it's huge. And, and it just adds again, a whole other layer to uh, you know, to the development of, of the athletes. And, and also too, uh, it's something that I think a lot of people don't really think of, but it's the ability you know, for like Dean, you and Brandon and, and everybody else that's a part of For Vengeance to bring in young people that are maybe interested in being on a camera, doing production, mm-hmm. doing statistics, whatever it may be, and, and realizing that there's there's so many opportunities out there and, and the, the the world is is limitless when it comes to, you know, what you're interested in and, and that sort of thing. And I mean, it, yeah, I still laugh about even being like doing color for the Saints. I'm just like, I never would have ever imagined that I would ever even think of doing that. Like I went, at one point I did think of going into radio and TV, um, but like never thought that those opportunities would, would ever come up. And that's the thing, right, is, is so many of these athletes, you know, you know, no different even than our referee academy. 
Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Travis Toomey is a buddy of mine that out of nowhere, you know, I go from doing, you know, fun three on three working with him and, and we're refing games and joking around. And then two years later, I'm walking out onto the bench for a Saints game and he's sitting tying his skates for a playoff game. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm, I'm line take tonight. And I was like, oh. And then, you know, catching up with him and he gets fast tracked to the NHL and now he's a full-time NHL linesman. It's just, you can become a professional in, in so many different aspects. So to be able to, like you said, like with the, with the For Vengeance media and, and introducing people to roles that they maybe never even thought would have been possible is, is super, super cool. Yeah, developing not just players. And, you know, we, we, we do these interviews during these games and we do them because they make the broadcast better, but we also do them because they make the people that are getting interviewed better for later on when they have to give a report at work or they get to the next level and they are interviewed. They're not just deer in the headlights. And listen, the very first time I was live on TV, I probably would have been sued for libel for whatever I said. And I had broadcast training, so I can't imagine what it's like yeah. for some of these kids that are 13 14 years old so changes is, is good and and the old shooting from the canoe that our parents were doing when they were at the rink is not happening with four vengeance and and changes in the air with hockey all over the bchl has gone independent i'm hearing just amazing things about the quality of hockey out there and obviously lots of rumblings that more leagues are going to follow i think it's inevitable wokey that more leagues do follow i just think it's a matter of when yeah, I I mean, you know, and it's yeah, it's such a loaded a loaded statement question um and you know in in having the fortunate uh, opportunity to be in the independent space for, you know, 7 plus years now already since we started the HSL and and the, the original Saints Pro Hockey Academy program and to see where things have gone, you know, you you just you never know what to expect it's always expect the unexpected and the landscape changes so fast and that's exactly where it's at now and you know with the bchl doing you know making the decision that they made and and hearing you know the rave reviews and and seeing the level of the caliber of players that are there and the amount of college players and you know it's going to be interesting to see how the the bchl fares in the in the june draft with the nhl and, uh, you know, seeing kind of the, I guess, you know, that continued, I guess, barometer or measuring stick of where they are in terms of their development and the players that they have there. It's really, really exciting. And I know that, you know, moving forward, it, it's going to be a very, very interesting landscape. And, you know, and, and Dean, you've been, you've been around the office now for a little while, but you can, you quickly understand how, no two days are ever the same and things change just like at the snap of fingers and, and just the landscape looks so different, right? If you would have told me even two years ago that uh, two or three years ago that there would be an independent junior hockey league such as the BCHL and the caliber of it, not that I would have laughed. I would have just been like, oh man, okay, how is that going to get there? How quickly is that going to get there? Then you start asking all those questions, right? But very progressive individuals and, and groups that are part of those, uh, those uh, BCHL teams. And, you know, and I think that they're, they've really done a great job, you know, when you look at that, their, their referee Academy and what they're doing and, and, you know, the relationship that now is, is uh, existing 
with the JPHL and, and the affiliation and the opportunity for officials to work games and that sort of thing. It's a, uh, it's really, really cool to see. And, and uh, you know, you're, you're starting to kind of see and hear those rumblings and you know, that there's going to be more of a shift and it's, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see the way that things progress. Uh, you know, like I say in like six months, but by the end of the week, there might be something that's <laughs> different by tomorrow. We might wake up and have coffee and, Oh, this is what's going on now, right? So it's uh, it's it's very uh, it's very interesting to to see how you know people have really started to look outside the you know the four walls and and how they can still operate and have a really 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 good high end product and develop players. And at, at the end of the day, that's that's what it is. It's not you know uh, it's not that you know battle the head to head. It's just, you know what, this is an option and this is an opportunity. It's different. Um, you know, this is how it's different. You know, there, there's so many different nuances, right? Sure. Of the, the, the life balance, the being able to play, you know, HSL wise, JPHL wise, playing in a showcase where you're playing, you know, three or four games over a weekend. And then you get a little bit of time in between. You're able to really get that development in because a lot of the time what happens is, when you're playing, say, you know, one or two games over a weekend, Sunday morning, your power play goes, you know, 0 for 8 and your penalty kill gives up, uh, you know, two goals on three opportunities. Well, what's Tuesday practice going to be focused on? Well, it's all special teams. And it's that doesn't make any better. That makes the team better and more successful, but that doesn't make the player better rather than, than constructively looking at it and focusing, okay, you know what, we're still going to do our – you know, power skating, shooting, blah, 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 whatever it may be, Monday, Tuesday, and then Wednesday, we're going to mix in some special teams because we know we, we recognize we have to work on it um, and that kind of thing. But again, it comes down to that, that corroboration and collaboration between, between coaches and, hey, what works, what doesn't work, and being open about that. Yeah, I, I, I totally think we have to get out of this. Me, I want to get to the next level. And you're going to get to the next level anyway by developing. It's like I tell I tell every once in a while a parent comes up and says, are they going to change that goal? And I say, you know, the scouts do know who scored. And it all gets changed. And, and the, 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 the scouts see the players. They'll, and if a player is good enough, they will, they will be seen by, by a scout. So it, it all comes together, the players who should be. Like, I've never, ever heard of a player that didn't get drafted because he didn't get scouted because nobody knew where he was playing. I just, it just doesn't exist. If a player is good enough, the scouts are going to hear about them. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, you gotta, you just look at the, you know, a story, I mean, Pavel Datsuk, the, the story about yeah. him, how he gets noticed is it's insane. Like, you know, th those types of stories happen though. Right. And, and, uh, and especially nowadays when we live in a, in such a digital age and era where mm -hmm. you want to go find players, you can go find players. And whether that's, you know, a, a junior team in Alberta that's scouting kids from Florida or Arizona, a lot of the time you're probably five to 10 clicks away and a couple websites away from finding those kinds of players and honing in on them and watching them and, and that sort of thing. So yeah, it's a, it's a definitely a pretty cool age and, and era of, of where hockey and technology are kind of coinciding and meeting together and, and opening up a lot of doors. 
Yeah, it's it totally is. Uh, let's talk about the Saints as uh, you are the color analyst with uh, Brandon Ewan Cheshin. Uh, it's fun. I get to do a few hosting games this year. Friday and Saturday this week will be fun. But uh, I think easily the most impressive guy for me has been in in goal. Uh, what have you thought about uh, Ryan DeCook's uh, coming out party? I, I saw him lead that Lethbridge team last year and you knew he was special uh, and so far, so good in his AJHL debut, I guess you would say. Oh, uh, yeah. I, you know, Dean, I, I heard a lot of rave reviews about him last year. I, I never had the opportunity to, to watch him live, but I know, you know, there was a lot of conversations around him and the way he was playing and, and you know, just his competitiveness, his overall ability. And, you know, coming into camp was kind of the first time that I was able to see him live. And it was... It was the blue white game, the inter squad game. I think it was on the Tuesday night after the after the long end or before the long weekend. Sorry, and uh, you know he and Zach Oneskew, who played for the Saints last year, both started the game, and they were the two best players on the ice. And uh, if I remember correctly, I think Oneskew gave up two goals on I believe about 20, 21 shots or twenty two shots. He played really really well. And, you know, DeCook on the other end, I think, gave up one goal on 19 or 20 shots. And those two guys were the two best players on the ice at the at the inter, or the blue-white game. And he's just, you know, Ryan has just continuously impressed me in, in all the games that I've seen him. And when you look at, at his first month as a junior hockey player and, and being a rookie netmer and, and getting thrown into, you know, a little bit of baptism by fire with uh, the unfortunate injury to Oneskew, um, you know, just as the season was getting underway and, and having to carry the mail as a young guy playing, I think he's, yeah, I think the eight games in the month of October. And I think out of those eight, for sure, four of, or not four of them, but there's two back to backs in there. Uh, you know, you look at the showcase on Friday night, an 8 p.m. start, and then a Saturday afternoon, 2 p.m. start. That is a short turnaround for seasoned veteran, for seasoned veteran junior guys, let alone a young rookie. And, you know, his goals against, I think, I'm not really good at math, but I think he's given up, uh, Jesus, I think it's like 16 or 17 goals in, in the eight games that he's played. And, you know, save percentage up and around or just over 9-10. He's been very, very impressive. And, you know, he's, uh, the one thing that's that I've been kind of the most impressed by is just, he's just like this. There's all the time. Yeah. There's no, there's no waiver. There's no, you know, uh, um, I, I don't want to say he's not emotional, but there's no outburst. There's no, you know, questioning what's going on. It's like, okay, you know what? Let one in, get ready for the next one. And I think that's, a, that's one of the biggest or best attributes that a netminder can have is, is just a, a short memory, right? Ted Lasso, yeah. memory of a goldfish. <laughs> hey, it happens. Forget about it. Because you're you're only as good as your next shot, right? And and I think he's been he's been very impressive. And um, you know the I think eventually the run support is going to be there. Um, I think I was actually running some numbers just at the, the uh, just before the preseason, and you know the the one kind of question mark was going to be where was the offense from in in all the players that were uh, that moved on after last season's um, you know run to the final against Brooks. It was like 51 or 52% of the offense was gone. And that's a lot of goals that you've got to make up. And I think that 
you know, as this season progresses, there's a, there's a lot of guys that are maybe in some different spots than they, than they were used to, you know, new coaching staff, a lot of different nuances. And, uh, you know, I think one of the things that I'd like to see them maybe do a little bit more is, you know, drive the paint, get into the dirty areas and, you know, uh, try to just find the, the grease, you know, like, uh, Gordon Bombay and, uh, Mighty mm-hmm. Ducks, you know, pick up the garbage. You got to go pick up the garbage. Yeah, well, and that's, uh, you know, uh, in, in as I mentioned earlier, I had a good conversation with Craig McTavish, and he said garbage goals uh, count just as much as the end-to-end rushes. And, and I said, oh, did you did you tell that to Wayne after he went over the shoulder of, of Vernon <laughs> that, that the tap-ins are the same? And I don't think he did. But you mentioned the offense yeah. is not there. And there's also adjustments with Ryan Marsh. Great to see him back behind the bench. He would like a, a few more victories, obviously. But there's an adjustment with a new voice from behind the bench too yeah big time uh you know and, and changes there's been a lot of change you know the saints there's a lot of turnover year over year on the roster with you know just the cyclical nature of you know having a, a really good strong program and you know the recruiting of players never ends and you know year over year it's probably a roster turnover of anywhere from you know 40 to 55 maybe even 60 percent of the players right so I think that that's eventually going to come. And yeah, Ryan Marsh, you know, comes from being in the, in the Dell last year and, and coaching professionally and has spent a lot of time in the Western hockey league as well. And, and I do think that there is a bit of an adjustment period for sure. And, and especially the, the veteran guys that have been around with having Brown for the last two or three years and, and that sort of thing. So, you know, there's, it's a, you know, we're, we're all creatures of habit to our, to our own extent. And I think mm-hmm. hockey players are probably the worst for that. They'll never say that they have, you know, pregame rituals or anything like that. But uh, I know I drive to the rink the same way every time. <laughs> I'm not even playing the game. But it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's interesting. And I do think that, you know, as the season progresses and, and, you know, settle into a bit more of a rhythm and, you know, it always seems that heading into the showcase, the showcase is just, it's, it's tough. Those guys put a lot of pressure on themselves and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. So, you know, hopefully being at home now for, for back-to-back games this Friday and Saturday, the guys are kind of able to, to get into a bit more of a rhythm, a bit more, you know, of a, of a comfort zone. And uh, there, there's too much skill on the team and, and too much talent that, the offense is just going to stay at a, you know, 2.1 goals, goals per game or anything like that. You know, the goals against it's great, but when you're Mm -hmm. even after eight games, you know, the the offense has to kind of get clicking and sometimes you just get into that rut and and you get frustrated. And I think the the biggest thing is, like I said, is just kind of cranking out, playing more simple hockey and, and, you know, driving the paint and getting traffic from point shots and, you know, you look at the Dawkins goal that you had showed there a couple yeah. of times, just a, a seemingly harmless shot. But when you, you know, you're able to use traffic, you throw pucks into areas, you know, challenge the goalie as much as possible and, and get it away from, you know, the crest and, and the middle of the net to look for rebounds, you know, pass off the pads. And uh, like, like I said, I, I think, I think Ryan and his staff are, are doing a really good job here. And, and I think that they're going to, you know, they're eventually going to kind of turn that corner and, you know, you're, you're playing great defense and, you know, great defense leads to great offense. Right. So I think that as things kind of progress and, and, you know, some maybe different line combinations are found and some chemistry is found, you know, the goals are going to start to come, but it's been a, it's been a very interesting season or a beginning of the season in, in the AJ, in my opinion, a lot of the teams I thought were going to be really, really, really good. 
uh, haven't gotten off to good starts. You know, I'm shocked to see Bonneville where they're at. Um, you know, Drum is a, a very pleasant surprise. They've been, you know, they've been playing really good hockey. I mean, you know, Brooks is Brooks. You know, Okotoks is off to a really hot start. And, um, yeah, it just seems like it's been a, it's been an interesting start, start to the season. And, uh, you know, only eight games into, uh, into the 23-24 season. So lots of hockey to be played. And, uh, and yeah, they don't hand out any banners at the end of September. So that's always the, the positive, right? As long as you don't play yourself out of the season early, and you know what? You'd rather learn your, or you know, yeah. learn from your mistakes and, and make those, or have those learning lessons early on in the season, rather than you know when the when the snow melts and the golf courses are opening and you're playing hockey for real. Uh, that's not when you want to be learning, uh, having your learning lessons. Yeah, no doubt, uh, Wokey. I look forward to being part of the broadcast Friday and Saturday with you and Iwa and uh, watching some terrific hockey at the Grant Fuhr Arena. Congratulations on uh, the seventh year of the HSL getting going and a lot of the fun events that I can't wait to be a part of around the office. Thanks again for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me, Dean. I can't wait to join uh, Wokey and Iwa on the broadcast this weekend from the Grant Fuhr Arena. Uh, the JPHL has the weekend off. We can all breathe. It was a fast-paced first month of the season. Uh, some unforeseen Mother Nature-related events that forced some quick thinking uh, by the, uh, especially Commissioner uh, Richard Nault and company. Uh, so no games this weekend, uh, but the first full showcase is coming up in Edmonton, October 12th, 56 games. You can watch them all produced by Four Vengeance Media on SilentIceTV.com. We had uh, a fun, fun weekend in Delta, B.C., our first uh, full showcase is coming up October 12th. Can't wait for that. Now let's bring in our guest for our Pawn to the Pro segment. He had a 14-year NHL career, and now in a successful media career, it's Jason Strutty. Strutty, it is always uh, so much fun to chat with you, going back to the days when you were a player and then uh, getting into the, the media scene. And uh, now uh, continuing that with the Got Your Back podcast, you and Ryan Rashog. I, I love the title. Uh, I think we all have to have everybody's back these days. But tell us a little bit more about uh, that show, uh, when people can catch it and, and what it's all about. So we started Got Your Back about uh, three years ago. And uh, this was our third season. And there's myself and Ryan Rashog. And obviously, we, we have added Rob Brown this year, which is great. And we, we do mostly Oilers content. Um, you know, talk a lot about it. And, you know, Ryan's a very he's a good insider here in Edmonton. I think Rob Brown and I are pretty good analysts. But what I like about our the duo is that we're, we're completely opposite. He was very offensive. And, and I was more defensive, although my stats may not reflect that. So, uh, you know, we're talking about this idea of how to play, play the game and, and kind of... Uh, Try to win, but you know, ultimately you can win in different ways. But it's it's been a lot of fun, so I'm I'm loving I'm loving doing it. Um, you know, we we generally do it uh, you know kind of in the evening that roll out the next morning, um, live like live at evenings and roll out the next morning for your consumption. So a lot a lot of fun, and I'm I'm really enjoying it. Well, we we've, we've got your numbers right up there, so you were more offensive than people think. I think. Yeah, I, I wish I was more offensive. <laughs> <laughs> No, but you you were, uh, and we've talked about this. You and I have talked about this, that 
everybody on a hockey team has a, a role, whether you're Yarmer Yager yeah. or you're somebody else. And the best players appreciated everybody's role. I mean, the amount of times you've told me about how Yarmer Yager, one of the greatest players of all time, came and thanked the players that had to play the hard minutes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was great. And you know, it's true. There, It's just like, a, I call it like a symphony, right? Not every instrument's the same and not everyone gets the same recognition but it does take a lot of different people to to make a team work and you know especially when at the time i played you know hard harder hockey and you know there's fighting was was way more prominent than it is today so um yeah i was really proud of the way i played and um you know now i coach a lot of kids and I, I can't teach them to play exactly that way i think it's it's evolved away from that um so yeah it's been it's 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 interesting to look back and kind of reminisce about your career a bit but it feels like a whole lifetime ago you know i had yeah. a hockey career and now the family career and the radio career so yeah, it's funny how there's different stages in a person's life. Yeah, and, and how you just look back and sometimes you're like, wow, I don't recognize that person. Like, I, I look back <laughs> at my 20s and I'm like, yeah, I'm yeah. an old man now and I am not the, the same person. But the one thing I, I remember about being as a kid is I could smell hockey season. Like, the fall, you could smell <laughs> it in the air. You walked into that rink and, you know, I smelled it the other day when I was a rink in Lethbridge and it took me back. I mean, do you still get excited uh, when, you know, we, we love summer, but when that fall changes and you can kind of smell hockey coming and all the memories come back, do you still get excited as, as a hockey dad and a coach now? Yeah, as a dad and a coach, not as a player. You know, I, I don't even, we have alumni skates with the Oilers. We're very lucky. The Oilers treat us really well. And I, I, I rarely partake in them. Although this year, I, I'm Chris Joseph's all over me to get, get more involved in them. But I don't really enjoy the playing. And it, it, it makes me a little bit sad. But I love coaching. You know, I run various camps. I work with my own, uh, my own kids' teams. I coach them. Um, I work at different academies. And I, I love the coaching. And just trying to help someone... Um, you want to improve even a couple percent or, or unlocking a part of their game that maybe they're struggling with. I just get so much joy out of that. And then seeing them translate that to gameplay. I mean, I, I just absolutely love it. So I can see why people love coaching, you know? Yeah. It's uh, it's, it kind of gets in your blood and, and just the, the joy you get. And, and it would be the same as being a teacher in a classroom of seeing one of your students succeed at right. something uh, is, is such a, uh, just a great thing, I, I could only imagine. We, we've chatted about your journey to your uh, hockey career, and you know, you have talked about how you weren't thinking about playing in the NHL at 13 or, or 14, really. But today, these kids seem to have the goal of wanting to make it. Like they are so dedicated. Good, <laughs> good thing or bad thing? Or is there good and bad about you know? Good, obviously, about yours because you still make it, even though you 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 know it wasn't on the front of your mind at. 10, 11, 12 years old, but the kids are so focused and so dedicated today. Yeah, they are. And, and I think that, you know, they're very professional at a very young age. And I think that's why we're seeing young players come into NHL and have success. You know, I, I remember when I was drafted, I, I, I was considered a, a very hardworking guy and worked out like as far as off the ice. Like I worked out, I ran, I did a lot of things off the ice, but not compared to the level the guys do now. You know, uh, it's it's just at the same age. It's just so much different. Um, I, I worry a little bit that the fun of the game's leaving at a too young of an age. Uh, you know, you should be going to the rink excited to play. And I played with guys and good players that just hated hockey. They didn't enjoy it because they played so much as a young player. So um, I think every child's different. Every, you know, whether male or female, everyone approaches differently. I know I loved it. I When they finally cut the skates off me, I knew I was done. And I, I was like, hey, I'm done playing. I don't want to play anymore. But for the most part, I loved it all. I loved the good, 
the bad, the bag skates, the wins, the losses, the championships, the horrendous seasons, the good coaches, the bad. Like, I loved all of it. And if you don't love something, uh, it's really hard to make it to the top because there's just so, it's so incredibly difficult. Uh, and we, we look at players like Connor McDavid or Connor Bedard and we celebrate them and they are incredible. But those guys work so hard away from the lights. When nobody else is watching, that is how you improve. You, you, you simply can't get good enough just doing it in practice. You have to do it at home, you know, running hills, shooting pucks, stick handling, watching hockey. You do all that when no one's watching you. That's how you truly get better. Um, and I think that's the challenge for kids today is to, to do it because they love it, not because they're trying to you know, beef up their TikTok account. Yeah, and you should you should never uh, get involved in a sport just solely to get to the top level. Your first reason should oh, be I want never. to do this and I love yeah. it. Um, you know, it's it's that's the only way. Now the choices today are crazy. I mean, I grew up with minor hockey. The only non-minor hockey choice I ever heard was Notre Dame Academy, and and that was <laughs> such a a one-off. And now we have so many choices. Uh, you you were a coach and coach your kids, and you were able to coach in the HSL, the Hockey Super League. Uh, and there's other academies out there as well. Uh, I think choice is good. But uh, what was your experience, and what did you like about the uh, HSL model? The HSL, you know, it, 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 I'd heard about it for a number of years. I had some friends that, that, that put their sons or daughters into it. And I, you know, I, I finally, it wasn't that I was running away from minor hockey, but this opportunity was was really neat. I was able to group together with about three or four other dads and guys that I, I good friends of mine. And we kind of started with that nucleus of, of coaches. And then we found players that wanted to, 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 to trust us and parents that wanted to trust in what we're trying to do to try to make the kids have a good experience. Like wins and losses, they don't matter to me. That's just a way of, to me, keeping score if the kids are improving. Um, so, you know, it's, it's been a really good experience. You can set up your practice as much as you want or you can practice as little as you want, whatever you want to do. Uh, I like the clustered games at the younger ages because that leaves a lot of time in between for you to uh, work on your, the kids' uh, knowledge of the game and skills. Yeah, I, I think the, the setup um, where you can have your games and also have uh, so much skill development and nice time in practice. And, you know, when you said about uh, wins and losses, that's so true. I mean, there were teams in the in the JPHL, which is the, the I guess, the older version of sort of the HSL, yeah. that they were in the bottom of the standings uh, all year. But off the ice, you could not tell because they were having as much fun. They were getting involved and meeting the other. And those showcase weekends, are, if you if you will, they give a chance for the kids to get together and meet everybody as well. And it's you know not a we want to win this tournament. We just want to come out with a good weekend. So I really like the model uh, set up mm. to make the kids um, feel enjoyable. And there's so much else going on with everything other than just the hockey. Oh, yeah, for sure. And that's it. I mean... I look back on my my minor hockey career. I, I can't tell you anything we won, but I can sure remember the hotel stays. I remember the times in the dress rooms with my buddies. Like I remember all that stuff. I, I don't remember anything that we you know specifically worked on growing up. <laughs> so I think that's what we have to keep in mind that it is for fun, right? We we are playing a game, and you got to try to make it fun. Uh, it doesn't mean you can't you know help them improve and help them reach. Maybe they have some personal goals or team goals. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think a coach's job is to improve your players more than other coaches improve their players. And I think that if we all have that attitude, I think that hockey, you know, in, in, in any league really improves.
And we all have our influences. Obviously, we're influenced by our parents. Um, you know, I look at uh, my two brothers as uh, hockey parents, and I see my dad coming through sometimes. And <laughs> um, and I'm sure the same thing for you. And, and different coaches. We all learn from different people. Do you draw, even though you're you're coaching youth players, do you draw from some of the coaches you played with? And do you see your dad in you sometimes as a hockey dad? Oh yeah, my dad. Well, it's hard sometimes being a dad and the coach, right? It's it's a difficult, and I think I've seen both sides where you you know you maybe player coaches play their kids too much or not enough, right? Or they don't give them, you know, the MVP even though they deserve it. You know, like it's pretty it's pretty crazy. I'm not suggesting my kids are amazing players, but that's just what I've seen. It is it is kind of difficult uh, to to manage that. But I I do see my dad, or I hear my dad in me. I I I believe in working hard. That's just that's kind of the Strudwick foundation. That's what going back to my grandpa and probably his father before him. We just, we are just hard workers. Like I know what I am. I'm a worker bee. And so I, I, I try to have that pass through my, through my kids and into to other players I coach. Um, and then as far as drawing inspiration, I, I'm not a big yeller. I try to be very, um, not stern, but I try to be, make sure that everyone understands where the, where you cannot cross the line. And like when we're learning something, we're learning. Like we're there, let's say we're learning a new four check or whatever. We're learning. Okay, now we're, now's not the time to be jerking around. If we're mid-drill and you want to say something funny about my hairline, no problem. I have no problem with that. But, and you're trying to have the kids understand those, those different lines that can be crossed. Uh, so you're, you're fair, but stern, but you want to make sure they have fun. So you try to include, you know, encourage that, that fun aspect of, of, of playing a game because uh, they are playing a game. And then when you, you learn a new play and they break it down in, in a game or if they make a play, like for instance, if I create a new offensive play and they, they score before the game, I'll say, if you guys score, I'll buy everyone a blizzard. Ah. Obviously not the big ones. We're talking small. I'm not, I'm not made, I'm not a billionaire, but I get them, you know, maybe a snack size, yeah. uh, but the kids get so excited about it. Right. Then they want to try to do it. They want, and then, you know, I've had it happen where they've done it. And as they're coming through the line, they're yelling at me. They yelled everyone, <laughs> what they want. Like, I want a chocolate chip lizard or a Smarties. Like, I heard it. Go line up or you're not getting it, right? But they know that, like, I, I you know, they, they have fun. And, and um, but I want to encourage that, that joy of, of, uh, of, of games. Oh, that's awesome. Maybe throw in some Mr. Sub gift certificates. Uh, you know, me and Mr. Sub, yeah. uh, maybe the kids would love right. that. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they're not 40-year-old broadcasters. I'm not sure. That's right. Um, that's right. It, it, it's so fun seeing the kids get excited about stuff. I love them coming through with, with things like that. Let's let's talk a little Oilers now because you guys do talk about that. And obviously, you're a former Oiler. Uh, they added again in the offseason. There's all this talk every year about McDavid's contract or the dry side of contract and they got to win a cup before this and that. Is that at all distracting in the room, do you think? Or is that just us and fans talking about it? Well, I think in the room, you're aware of everyone's contract status, you know, and you know that these guys have, what is it, two and three years left on their deal, but that you can't control that. You know, if I'm on a teammate of, of Condra, I, I can't control what he's going to do in, in any time, but I can control my effort, my my contribution to the team, my preparation uh, to help to win a Stanley Cup here. Like, you know, and, and they are creeping closer. I love the addition of Connor Brown. I think he's really going to help their penalty kill. Um, you know, he's a guy who's, who's penalty killed quite a bit in the past. You can see through these few games of uh, exhibition, he's getting pretty good minutes on the penalty kill. So not only will he help, you know, brief up that or finish off what I hope is a strong top six, He's now going to help on the penalty kill, an area that maybe you can take a little bit off of Connor Leon and they can, you know, focus on maybe resting, you know, for some parts of the game rather than being, you know, I think Connor had the second most PK minutes for the orders, uh, forwards, 
And I want to say Leon was in before five. So maybe these guys can get a break. Um, but they are getting closer. The distraction, I, I don't believe it's a distraction because it's its just the way it is. It's the same Austin Matthews added there. You know, other Steve Stamkos mentioned it in training camp. Yeah, he doesn't right. have a contract done. That's a captain. But, you know, the thing, the difference between Austin Matthews and, and Connor and Stamkos is he's won a Stanley Cup. So I, you know, I, I'm just hopeful. I, I cheer for Edmonton. I'm not going to lie. I want the city to have success. I want them to feel what it's like to celebrate a championship and um, as a team. So I hope that they're able to win two, a Stanley Cup in the next two, three years. And if that's done and the guys leave, like, okay, thanks. Thanks for the memories, man. Like, you know, now if they, if they leave without it, then I, I still think there's a lot of good memories. Like they're sure. special players. But the, not very often those top players leave their teams um, you know, cause you're not going to, there's, it's going to be difficult to go somewhere and sign together and have a good team around them and try to win. So I, I don't ultimately know what the plan is, but I know that Ken has built this team better every year he's been here and they're really close now. What is the area of weakness that you see going into this season that, you know, if, if they didn't get it short up or they may have to have somebody have an ultimate season or, or make a change, where's the, where's that weak spot? Certainly not offense. No, that's not. <laughs> no, that's not it. I think they're they're missing a top four defenseman. Um, you know, love Cody Cece, but he hasn't been and is not a top four defenseman. Um, and he's done all right as that here with playing Ryan Shotgun and Nurse. So you know, who could fill that? You know, there's talk about Broberg or maybe Vinny Darnay or I don't. You know, I think those are a bit of a stretch. Um, so I'd love to see that beefed up um, towards the trade deadline uh, if they if they can make something like that happen. Um, you know, then obviously I think their, their fourth line has to kind of get organized and it, 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 it revolves around a center, um, getting the right guy. Like I was hoping Brandon Sutter would be that guy. Mm. Obviously it, it hasn't worked out that way, um, for him, but you know, and the guys that are going to try to fill that hole, I don't think they fit what they need, but the good news is, is you can acquire that, uh, at the trade deadline. Yeah, you certainly can. Uh, I, Matt, uh, Craig McTavish was in Vancouver over the weekend. Uh, his son Sean coaches in the JPHL, so I brought him on the broadcast, and it was funny. We were going from you know Wayne Gretzky to Connor McDavid in in you know in our conversation, and Oilers fans, so lucky. You've got the greatest player of all time, and then now the best player in the current game, um, and then in between, I guess, is where they sold their soul uh, to get those two players. I mean, the 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 decade of darkness. When you look at it, and you were you were unfortunately having to yeah. play in those games. When you look at it now, I, every Horler fan would say, "Oh yeah, it was totally worth it." But I did the <laughs> post game show. You know, I was I was around yeah. in the media, yeah. and and you know, we saw those games, and you did the post game shows at times. At the time, people were going crazy. Now they they look back on it and they oh, it wasn't that bad. It was a literal decade of darkness. Yeah, I I think you know I look back on those times and I think. Every GM is trying to win, right? And, you're, and you're, you you keep thinking you're close, you're close, you're close, and we can turn it. And, you know, sometimes maybe you just have to accept the fact we're not that close. You know, we're really not that close. It might be time to do like Chicago's done, and they burned it down to nothing. Everyone was gone. And then you start acquiring pieces and bringing things back together. Um, because I think a dangerous thing is to be in that middle tier where you're kind of fighting for 8, 9, 10 in the, in the conference yes. every year. And, and you're... And then you maybe trade away some assets to pick this guy up or get that guy. And like, it's, it's nice, but you're really not getting it. You know, you're not getting over the top. And, and I'll give the example. I, I, I really think Ken Hall would love to have the Mike Green and Anthony trades back. And I said at the time, I'm on record, 
that was not the year to go in. Don't go all in. Just ride it out. You're you're not good enough to win. So don't waste assets on that. Um, and I do believe, like now they are in the window. So this this year, if you're able to find a right shot defenseman like Atcom, uh, you you make that trade all day long. I don't care what you have to trade. You have to trade the rest of my hair off. Then you get it. You do whatever you need to to get that guy because now is the time to go all in. Not not when you're oh we might win around. Win around. Who cares about winning around? Well, all, if if anything, you are always honest. Strutty, it's such a pleasure to chat with you. Uh, I loved working with you, and I love staying in touch with you, and I love Got Your Back with yourself, Brownie, and uh, Rashad. Thanks so much for giving us some time in Game Changers. Uh, the HSL uh, is happy, is lucky to have you. Thanks so much, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, and uh, we'll do it again soon. And uh, it's great to see you doing uh, and looking so good. Oh, man, I could talk to Strud's every single day and i used to when i when we worked together at uh, tsn 1260 it was absolutely the best uh just an absolute pro make sure you check out got your back uh, with uh, him and rashog and uh, rob brown two other beauties uh, by the way silenticetv.com is where you can find the home of the jphl the hsl special events like the winter championship the challenge cup and much more you can watch live games or catch up on what you missed, plus game changers and more great content produced by 4Vengeance Media, along with this episode at silenticetv.com. You can find one-timers with Strutty, which was uh, easily the best part of my day uh, recording that. It was it was so good. So big thanks to uh, Tyler Woke, HSL Commissioner, Craig Button, TSN Director of Scouting, and, of course, Jason Strudwick, who is a definite pro, uh, who had a great uh, career path and is now giving back in the coaching realm. Thank you so much for joining me on the program today. Uh, we are back again every Wednesday here on Silent Ice TV with Game Changers. My name's Dean Millard, and always double pad stack when you can. Take care.